Damaged Goods Podcast. Wait, they say duality a man in full metal jacket? Remember he's got the peace pin. Oh yeah, when they're in when then, he's over there in Vietnam already. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I tend to fall off the second the first half of that movie is like phenomenal. And, and yes. not that the second half isn't good, but you know, a little less memorable. But yeah, the duality of man. I yeah. always used to throw that phrase back at certain friends of mine. because um, they'd you know, they'd see me doing some Weird shit or some crazy shit or something. And they'd be like, yo, Snake, why are you doing this? But you're all about that. I was like, it's the duality of man, brother. Exactly. When I was real depressed off some heartache a couple of years back, I was going to the recording studio and sometimes, you know, starting sessions at noontime, yeah. right, for like a long day. And I would be, I was, I was hurt. I was in a bad spot. But I'm a healthy nut. So I'm rolling up in the fucking studio with like a big old kale, celery juice, and then like a pint of Remy Martin right next to each other. And my, my engineer would look at me. I'd be like, duality of man, dude. So now yeah. dudes just started to get it. That was yeah. like a catchphrase to encapsulate the snake man at that time. Now for sure, man. It's, uh, you know, it speaks volumes. It does. Man. It's, well, it's like, I don't know, man. Um, it's not so cut and dry, you know, when no one's black and white and, and, and good and bad. There's a lot of gray area, shades of gray and... I don't know. Some people don't want to accept that or acknowledge that, but you know, we're not. You know, we all got different sides. And, it's know. a million shades in there, man. That's that's yeah. life. There's no it, black and white. Is a, you know, it's a myth. Yeah, it, it'd be fu- easy. It'd be easy. It would be nice. But that's just not the way it is. And nah. I don't know. I think once you kind of get over that and, and accept that, not everyone's a good guy or a bad guy, or you know, you got these good qualities, but you're gonna have some bad ones. That's all right, then. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Everyone's got their strengths. Everyone's got their weaknesses. Yeah, know? for sure, for sure, for sure. That uh, very mature, level-headed voice you're hearing is my man Charlie Barkhorn joining me on Damaged Goods. What's He's up? a videographer of extreme illness. Fly videographer. Camera is like, he doesn't even have a right hand. It's like a camera just mounted <laughs> on his fucking wrist. Like, what's that evil dead shit? It's like Yeah, that. for sure. Yeah. Oh. Say hi, Charles. Hello. How you Hello. doing? Good, good. You might hear me refer to Charlie during the... um podcast is Manson or Charlie Manson and uh, I do so with pure love and joy if you see the picture that's attached to this on iTunes or wherever you're listening you'll get it he, Charlie you look like a young hip sexy Charles Manson <laughs> right. not you know and uh, nothing nothing like Charles Manson this guy's a good dude he's not a psychopathic mass murdering like Manson uh, without the murder yeah dude yeah and you probably like a little better looking cool you got tattoos and shit like that yeah I mean he had at least one that I know of. Yeah, that that big that <laughs> big old forehead swastika they gave yeah. himself. Oh my god! I'm trying to keep the facial tattoos yeah, dude, to a facial minimum. Tattoos right suck, now. dude. I I mean, like you guys can't see what we're talking about. Charlie has a gang of tattoos like myself, but yeah, no faces, right? No, no, no faces, I, no neck, n- n- even. Th- thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I have, I say this on the podcast. Lots of listeners hear it, but I have this theory: like, if a dude has like four tattoos or less. And one's on his neck. He's a fucking pussy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yo, you only get your neck and your face tatted when you right. covered everything else up. And hopefully you've either like been to jail or a criminal or a sailor or something, yeah. dude. You're in a hardcore band. That's kind of the finish line, right? Yeah. I mean, then you know, once you get to the face, it's the victory lap. But and, you, you gotta know, do some laps around the, dude, and the you extremities know, first. You, you work in arts and entertainment, and, and in yeah. arts and entertainment, you see more people with tattoos than you do in the corporate world and things like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I work. In the arts sort of department of being a corporate a cinematographer, entity. yeah, in the corporate world. So I'm walking around like yeah, this it, in it, the corporate scene where yeah. you know I'm getting a lot of looks from everybody <laughs> like, who the who let this guy in here? Like, what the fuck is he doing? But I feel like that's kind of 
I mean, more or less, the newer trend is is like you're gonna see people in these these jobs with tattoos because now these younger people are growing up, more people are getting them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only people that I see in the company that uh, that have any of this are in our department. Dude, yeah, dudes like you that do <laughs> yeah. the art shit, exactly. and it makes sense. But thank God, no face ones, dude. I don't know what it is about the face tattoos. Just look so bad to me. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen one. I mean, like, oh, that's dope. I don't. I can't think of one either. I can't think of one. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm very impulsive with these tattoos. I've always been just like when I see something, I'm like, oh yeah, that's gonna go there, and just sort of know it. Yeah. Uh, so, fortunately, I haven't seen one yet. That's like, oh yeah, that's going like you know my forehead or like under my eye or something like that. That's the kind of fun to do. That is is be impulsive with tattoos sometimes. I mean, as long as you aren't gonna regret it later it's fun though i'm a pretty shoot from the hip kind of guy, badass so i haven't oh. regretted one yet that's that's what i like i dig it I actually do i have zero regrets on my tattoos i like them all um i mean there's some like maybe uh, i wish i could have gotten that one done a little cleaner yeah yeah when i was same. young but i don't look at it like fuck i never no. covered anything up when i was a little kid i was like oh i'm gonna be covered in tattoos <laughs> you I knew it fucking, you knew yeah. it i was for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's just the the whole, like, there, there's a definitely, a, I feel like a trend in the last few years with, with, with tattoos becoming way more popular, and, sure. and especially the face and neck tattoos. And, I mean, I'll see dudes, especially, like, when I used to work more in hip-hop, I'd see dudes who look like they got a whole sleeve done over the weekend. Totally. Like, dude, you're, I, like, I've been getting tattoos since I was 17, but it's been gradual and I'm yeah, like, dude you yeah. just got all this work done it looked i could tell it's all fresh and clean right and then you went up and got a neck tattoo it's like there's like a costume for all kinds of roles right so if you want to be a rapper nowadays there's a costume that you can you can buy different parts of the costume sure. some of the parts of the costume with face tattoos and shit and like damn dude you never does it look good you know and like i mean shit like if you're a murderous dude in and out of prison yeah it might add to Add to the, the allure of your craziness, right. but those dudes aren't trying to get a fucking deal off their SoundCloud page, you know, like these rapper dudes with those face tattoos. Man, this comes from a guy who's got his whole upper body tattooed. Shit looks corny. Yeah, I'm, I mean, also I think the part of the proliferation of these tattoos is like when I was a kid, I didn't know anybody that had a fucking tattoo gun. Like that was like a uh, random, like expensive item that you'd yeah. see in the back of some like you know like hit parade or magazine or something. I didn't know a single dude or like any of my friends, like older brothers or anybody that had one. And now it's like I know like a dozen people that are just like some of them are good, mind you. But like a lot of them just, you know, it's just like a sort of hobby. They have a fucking gun. They sit there and like on like a random weekend, they'll do a bunch of jabbers on Hilarious. their homies and shit. Yeah, I mean, and it's like, all right. Have you ever let anybody uh, experiment or practice on you? No, I have not. Good. Um, That's a good decision, dude. Yeah, don't I don't regret know. that. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm. I you know, I would be open to a couple of my buddies doing that, and I have a couple of buddies now that are like legit, like tattoo artists that yeah. do like really well and That's do good. really good shit. And you know, it's like I just haven't got one in a while. Actually, it's been five years, yeah. six years since my last. It's one. funny when you take some time off, and I've done that before, and then you. You come back and get that first one in whatever many years. You're like, fuck, I forgot. And and like I learned as I got older that dude, it it didn't used to hurt. It hurts now. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It fucking hurts now. And yeah. I mean, I I can do it, but all the tattoos I've gotten in the last couple years are smaller than the ones I got when I was young and didn't care and just could take six, seven hours of pain. Yeah, it's that's a lot. just getting old. Where is the most painful one you got? <laughs> 
ah, my collarbones uh-huh. up here. Just, Anything on the bone is. Bone. I mean, I'm a pretty slender dude anyway, yeah. and so like, there's no skin on there, and I could just hear the bone like rattling in yeah. my ears. It was that was pretty bad. Yeah, my shin was like that. I could feel that shit rattling in my hips, Ugh. like right on that fucking shin bone, like that front one, tibia or whatever fibia. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what hurts is um, the inner bicep. It feels like. It feels like they're all up in your armpit with the yeah, tattoo gun, yeah. even though they're way down on your bicep, but it feels like right in front of Yeah. They all hurt. I mean, I, dude, don't be that dude who's like, the tattoos don't hurt. Like, nah, dude, they fucking hurt. Yeah, I, you just nut up and go through it, you know, because you know what yeah. on the other side is a, is something you're going to be happy with. But, dude, it fucking hurts. Cat scratch on a sunburn. God damn, dude. What does that mean? Charlie, that was a fucking Manson-ass <laughs> saying right there. <laughs> what is that? That's what they feel like. Oh, 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 okay, cool. I don't know. I thought that was amazing. That's some shit you guys say on set, some camera shit. No. Were you guys out in Joshua Tree shooting something recently? Or was it in the Ye- desert? Uh, yes. Uh, not Joshua Tree, but we, um, where were we? We started out around like Stoddard Valley area, uh, like Barstow area. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then, uh, a lot of people of, shoot out there. Uh, yeah, like there's a lot of, there's a lot of everything out yeah, there. Yeah, I got it's a crazy. photographer friend right now shooting right there. Yeah, it's cool. It's a cool area. It's, um, you know, there's a lot going on. And we had a bunch of trucks that we were sort of off roading with and, uh, took them the back way up to, uh, Big Bear. Oh. Is it, is, is it like, was it the kind of like Joshua Tree's kind of like the deserty area you might want to take some psychedelics and run around and be all trippy? Is it that kind of? Uh, this is. Uh, it's not quite as uh, sort of um, stunning of a landscape here. Mm. There isn't like the like the Joshua Trees and the Rad Valley with like the big rock structures and stuff. This was like, it's more. Um, like it's just kind of sandy wash kind of area uh. with like a bunch of scrub brush and. All these like whoop de doos. If you ever rode like BMX bikes and shit like that, <laughs> yeah, I and it's like dudes take like Whoop-de-doos. all sorts of off road shit out there, crazy like trophy trucks and stuff, and they do races around this big like mountain uh, pretty often. And um, so dudes will just go out there with dirt bikes, trucks, ATVs, all of this kind of stuff, and just go off roading like crazy. And then we took this, like that was sort of the more high speed aspect of the of the piece we were shooting and then we took these trucks up like the back way like i was saying up this trail that took us all the way up to big bear that was more rock crawling and more uh like low speed just sort of like navigating Uh, these like kind of narrow kind of like dodgy trails that would just go up the mountain so not the place to be taking hallucinogens and bugging out no it wasn't that kind of vibe uh, no, Joshua uh, Tree is definitely better that, for that. Yeah. You were shooting like vehicle stuff, right? Yes. Charlie, well, why don't you tell me, you, you do a lot of videographer work for... Yeah, I'm a, yeah. I'm a cinematographer for uh, Edmonds. It's, um, we just plugged you, Edmonds. What's up with some advertising money? Exactly, get it. Uh, Edmonds, the best. Yeah, if you're, if you're you know, trying to find the, the, the right car to buy, the best deal on a car, that's uh, it's a good resource to have. And um, so uh, I'm in-house with them. We shoot um, like hundreds of car-related videos every year, with everything from all kinds of fly vehicles, rad off-road trucks, and like crazy sports cars to like minivans and Honda Civics and stuff. It's a, it's a wide variety. Do you so. get to drive any of these things? Yeah, I get to drive a bunch of them. Like 
not like really drive them like yeah, crazy. Yeah. Like we have we have our sort of test drivers that do that stuff. They like get the real crazy shit. The hot shoe guys that they're they get really all fast good. and furious, huh? They're fast and they're good, and you know it's it's important to have somebody that you can trust when yeah. you're sitting on the side of the road or on the side of a racetrack with a camera, and these guys are ripping past you pretty quick. Um, but they're good. They're solid. It's um, you know it's a good place. It's a it's been uh, we have a good team. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Do you miss like kind of doing your own thing, your freelance thing, working on different projects that aren't just shooting vehicles? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's there's there's a part of that that's really nice. The variety is awesome. Um, you know, but the uh, stability with having the sort of full time work is pretty awesome as well. So you got to balance. You double awesome, that. baby. Just it's, awesome either way you slice it. It like you try to make the 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 sort of in-house work um afford you the time and opportunity to do freelance stuff on the side and uh that works once in a while yeah. i've done that here and there <clears throat> i've done it a few times like whenever i sort of can and uh, a project sort of fits into uh somewhere where i can take some time off then awesome do you um did you ever do like music sh work in music sh yes. music shit I feel like I, I I talked about that with you when yeah, we first met. Probably a million but. years ago. I mean, I I wanted to be like Charles a million years old. record producer, or whatever. You like, look like a younger. fucking record producer. And uh, you look like you and I should join a band together. I I hear that every time Ugh. I go through a fucking airport or something, like with all my like tea. Are you guys in a band? You got to start saying yes and sign autographs. Yeah, I do. I give them all sorts of so they don't give you a shitty fucking screening stuff. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I did, I wanted to The Manson to that. family, that's the band's name! <laughs> it's you and an all-girl band, you're the front man. Terry, fix that For fucking sure. buzz. And then, yeah, it, they're all girls, and, you, like and they dress hippied out, and you're the, it's the Manson family. You can be, uh, our Tex Watkins, or Watson, or whatever. Oh, uh, was he yeah. one of the guys in there that killed people? Yeah, well, oh, man. or, I don't know if he... Let uh, me be your manager, I'm good at stuff like that. Sure. I'll be the shady, like, like, managers, cutting deals, doing coke, talking shit, slick back hair, suit. Do it, do it. Yeah, what was uh, Zeppelin's manager's name? Was, it was like he a the, piece of shit? Well, he, I think he, like, kind of revolutionized managing. Oh, oh. <laughs> Sorry, dude, I didn't business. mean to take a... Because he was a badass, a big, uh, like, tough, bruiser of a yeah. guy. And he would, like, strong-arm... Like, uh, like Suge Knight before Suge Knight. He was a classic rock Suge Knight. I think he was, like, the guy that was telling, like, the promoters, like, you pay us up front or we're yeah. not performing. Because before... It's, it's of like, course, dudes get jerked all the time. Yeah, promoters would just disappear at the end of the night Dude, with all the money. And as, as a former musician who traveled and toured and played, deal with that all the time. And sometimes, you know, you go and your manager's with you and they handle all that. And sometimes the ma your manager's not with you and they've spoken with the promoter, this and that. Absolutely. But it's up to you to get it. And now, in like, all genres of music are different. But, you know, it's very common across the board to have issues with the promoter at the end of the night. Or maybe they're saying, oh, well, not enough people came. Or, they, they, you know, like, they, there's always, always a million issues. excuses. Yeah. But in, in hip-hop yeah. specifically, um, you know, promoters are shady too. But, like, dudes, like, I would roll with, like, you, I would basically tell the promoter, you would rather be dealing with my manager because now you're going to deal with these five dudes I brought who don't even rap with me, but they will make you pay. And you know yeah. what? They might even pay more than you were supposed to. Like, And sometimes you really had to do that. You really had to strong arm shit because, yo, you, you drove X amount of miles to yeah, this place. Man. You played for 30 minutes. You sold CDs. You did your thing with fans. I want my money. Everyone and, needs to get paid. Yeah, and it sucks at the end of the night at a show 
uh, chasing this dude down. He's like, okay, I'll be right back. I just got to go to the front to collect this. I got to go back. And you're there so late. And, like, it's nice to have your manager do that so you can smoke and chill and talk yeah. to some groupies. But sometimes you got to boss up and just go get your shit. Sometimes you do. I mean, that's not a great manager, but sometimes you do. Yeah, you got to do it. Take, take your shit back. Yeah, so I worked at a um, studio... Um, recording studio? Recording studio a while back, and I was kind of working my way up from, you know, being... Um, I started just like the the manager of the place basically, uh, and then um, started uh, you know working my way into engineering and being really? second engineer oh, and then engineering and stuff like, like tracking that. Tracking vocals and shit. Yeah, recording tracking music? all sorts of shit. Learning how to mic a drum kit. Learning Dude, how to mic all that shit. It was fun. That's impressive, man. That's that's not cool. a a skill that you pick up on the weekends, dude. Like people. No, I was there that, for though. like a couple years. Damn, dude. And um, Look it was that. rad. And, Charles uh, Manson is a uh, versatile. Yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, it was, it was right when, like, sort of the, it, like, all of that Napster bullshit was happening. Uh, like, yeah. the record industry <clears throat> was changing a lot. And he's talking about the early, for all you young millennial listeners, this is the early 2000s, revolutionizing yeah. music industry. So probably around, like, 2001, like, I think it opened in 2001. By the end of 2002, it was in pretty, like, the industry was in Oh, yeah, shambles, shape. bro. So, and that know, was just before I was gonna get into it like yeah. i was still a teenager watching that shit happen watching napster and, yeah. and and uh just watching like people finding ways to get shit without it and then honestly that was nothing compared to how it would turn into with the streaming that we got now and that's even cr took even more of a hit it's crazy yeah absolutely it's it's nuts so yeah bands weren't getting the same advances that they used yeah. to to make an album to make a video all of that the budgets were sort of drying up a bit and and so that place ended up closing its doors which was a bummer um and a lot of studios around town did. Like half the studios went out of business within mm. like a year or two. There was dudes that were like, you know, yeah. legit engineers on like, you know, plaques. They had plaques on the yeah, wall. And yeah, and they were like taking like runner jobs. And yeah, stuff, man, it because was just oversaturated. Yeah, dude, when, when when you can when you can set up shop in your apartment and produce nearly the same quality, it's a no brainer. And equipment and technology too. just got to a place where. You didn't need to go to these big fucking studios and spend fifty, sixty, seventy dollars an yeah. hour. <clears throat> you could do it for free if yeah. you bought the right shit, or even if you knew a dude who had a home set up. Yeah. Maybe he's charging you twenty an hour, and now you can relax there. And I mean, but I mean, you run into that thing that you know they touched on in Sound City and a million other like rad music documentaries and stuff. Which one's like, Sound City? It's about that studio that was in the valley. It was over. Oh, in, the one that like Nirvana and yeah, uh, Fleetwood yeah. Mac recorded at and Stevie Nicks. Yeah, and so Tom like, Petty. Oh yeah, a lot I of those one. guys were saying is like you know like the digital <clears throat> sort of craze, which we were a digital studio too, but it still you know doesn't capture the same sound and feel. It was that, and it was um, you know like it was really easy just to sort of uh, sort of whack a song together meaning like you know you could take like a good bit here and just sort of reproduce it a bunch of times and stuff and you didn't necessarily have to play the song the whole way through you didn't necessarily have to you know have the same level of musicianship yeah. that maybe you did before yeah 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 uh, of course dude because you can punch in you can cut and edit so much easier you can exactly. vocal line and you play a riff and you yeah, melodyne all, all these shit. things yeah so completely different you know it gives a lot of people an opportunity to do stuff which is really cool but on the other hand like it, it opens the doors for maybe, bullshit yeah that's quality control are, yes exactly. well and this is this is one thing i've said this on the podcast too is when you talk about um the way the internet plays its role in music now right you know people 
not needing labels and you can go to YouTube and social media and, and you don't need these A&Rs. Like you can circumvent that and it levels the playing field. It gives more opportunity for exposure for sure. sure. But what it does is is it lowers the, the barometer of quality. Not that I like the way the old labels were structured and the A&Rs and the radio system, but it still had to be of a certain level of quality to break through. Absolutely, right? So yeah. now there's no quality control. So anybody can put together some fucking be a YouTube rapper who's only rapping in his fucking bedroom or God plays yeah. guitars on this and that. And they have no real world experience doing this. And the music might not be good because everyone can just put this shit out. At least before there was like checks and balances. Granted, artists got taken advantage of and things like that, but Should there have. was more quality control. There's a lot more music now. I hear exactly. shit every and there's a lot of, and I don't like to say there's a lot of bad music. I just think that there's so much that there's more huge room for shitty music where before you'd hear less artists, but more quality people had to be talented to some degree right we muddied the waters yeah man yeah. and like i i mean shit i always try not to get into this conversation on the podcast because i feel like people don't want to hear it from me or maybe i think i don't want to talk about it because it makes me sound like a grumpy old man but like i mean there's a lot of artists who are famous and successful for more than their art their art or their music is really secondary to a lot of things and i mean I'm not. I don't. I'm not hating, so don't get all confused. But it bums me out. Yeah. Because, like you're saying, even in even in like before Napster and shit, uh, you you still had to have your art be the number one selling factor. And then it was cool if you had a crazy backstory, sure. or if you were good looking and this and that. But like, dude, all that shit can come to the wayside now. And 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 uh, it's just uh, it's a bummer for a person like myself, or maybe even for you as as an artist or a former artist who sees that and knows what it takes to go into making something, and you're like, I know that wasn't hard to make, yeah. and, and I know right. this was really hard to make for this guy, but you don't appreciate it because this guy's famous for whatever. You yeah, know? And I, it bums me out. It, I, mean, I shouldn't hate, like maybe it's jealousy shit. Maybe I, I, I wish I was famous from a sex tape and a millionaire and I wouldn't be complaining, <laughs> but it does pain me. I'm, I am still a stickler for purity in art, and not just in music, but film, yeah. visual art, dance, yeah. all that shit. I really, I'm an artist artist. I bitch and whine. People hate my, some of my friends like think I'm a hater. Jake, always hating on these movies. I'm like, yo, that's fucking bullshit. Oh shit, oh, there's 11 and 12 and 14 and Fast and Furious. I posted some shit on social media the other day, jokingly like, oh, I don't mean not accomplish as much as I want in life, but at least I can proudly say I've never seen any of the Ocean's 11 or Fast and Furious movies. And some <laughs> of my best friends, uh, well, like even hitting me up like, yo, dude, what's up with the secret oceans? Hey, like it's not that bad. I'm like, you fucking can't see that Hollywood pop Soderbergh bullshit crap a mile away. Yeah. I don't need. Like, have you ever seen one? No, I don't need to see it, dog. My sixth sense of art illness is telling me that is some bullshit. Yeah, yeah. dude, come on, that's some bullshit. It is, it is. I finally Sorry, popped my cherry with uh, one of those Fast and Furious movies. And... Was it on a date? No, uh, it was on an I, it was on an airplane. Uh, <laughs> all right, so dates and airplanes are the exceptions because you have I, limited options. So you're I a captive audience, you. you know, it's just like whatever. Uh, and what was your outcome? What did you think? What's the review? It's it's like it's like a it's it's like one of these fucking superhero movies without the capes and shit. It's just it's like terrible, this, bro. You know, it's like this, and it's a car movie, which and you shoot cars all the time now, and you're not even interested. No, but I mean, they, they do right. they do crazy shit with cars, and you know they have sexy cars and crazy vehicles. And do you and like? Is that are you into that shit? Well, the cars. Yeah, I like cars for sure because of of the gig you work. No, I liked them before. Okay, because so I I don't know you that well, and I wouldn't. I didn't take that from you that you were a car guy. You know, I can appreciate a good car for sure. I like cars. Um, you know, I, working at a place where I work, you uh, learn the difference real. Yeah, place I mean, you're shooting 
all these like fly them. vehicles, right? You yeah. might grow an appreciation. Yeah, I mean, I I've always had an appreciation for the nice nice cars, like a, a, a rad car. When you just walk up on it, of course, you can you can just really appreciate. It. If you really take the time yeah. to like look at it, especially if it's parked next to some shit box, you're gonna of be course. like, okay, this is amazing. Um, you know, they you can. It's like anything, man, where it's like you can sort of tell when somebody has put a lot of time and effort into their craft yep. and they're actually, yep. you know, like it shows, it shows in the product. Right. So, um, so it's easy to, for me to sort of acknowledge that and appreciate it. Uh, but you know, uh, you know, that being said, I mean, I, I don't, you know, there's, a, there's plenty of stuff that flies right past my radar car wise mm. that I'm just sort of like, ah, cool. Yeah, I've never been a, a big car guy. Growing up in the East Coast, you know, I was riding the subway most of my life. Like, I didn't even own my first car until I was, like, 27 or some shit. I just never needed it. Yeah, I got buddies from New York that are like, I do not possess a driver's license. Yeah. And they're, like, well, my age. I, that pisses me off. <laughs> I have a lot of native New Yorker friends like that, too. Like, I always had a driver's license. I just didn't have a car. I didn't need yeah. to have one because I could take the subway most of the time. I get it. But uh, and I, mean, I do have cars. And, you know, in L.A., you need a car. Car culture wasn't anything I grew up in. And I'm... I'm not, thankfully, I'm probably less materialistic in the last couple of years than I've ever been in my whole life. Sure. And for cars, for me, even when I was materialistic, cars are never the thing that got me. I get it. I, like, I, I, like you said, I, I respect nice craftsmanship. A nice car, I'm not going to be like, nah, that's not a nice car. It's a dope car, and I don't want to drive around in a fucking shitty old like uh, Pinto or something, but... I don't know. It's it's never been the one that grabs me. It's it's Yeah, it's getting you to a, or point A to point B. Um, but you know, I just want it clean and, and, and reliable and shit. I'm never, and I have, I have some friends, man, who are big on the car thing and they're fine, whatever. If that's your thing, that's your toy, you're into that. But like I had a homie of mine, uh, I was over his house a while ago and he got a new car he got a Mercedes Benz, right? Uh, and he's like, yo, oh, you want to see the car? And in my head, I was, I was like, I was like, was it special? Did you, did you get it like custom? She's like, right. huh? Yeah. And, Oh, it's just a 2016 Benz. Like, no, I've seen that a million times. Like, yeah. I don't, and I know I want to be like an asshole, but like, I'm like, I don't care, bro. I don't care about that car. Like, that doesn't impress me. It doesn't really. I don't. Yeah. Also, I'm not interested. If it was some crazy custom, like, yo, look, I got this thing put in here that's for me. All right, that's cool. But I didn't want to be a dick. But apparently, I'm being a dick now because I'm saying it on the fucking podcast. But it I, just doesn't impress look, me. Just looking at one and uh, whatever is like, it's one thing. You know, uh, driving it from point A to point B sometimes you know not the most amazing experience if you take it out onto some sort of windy fun mountain road and you're able to really open this thing up and experience driving it to you know the what it was sort of meant to do um yeah sometimes that can change your mind a little bit yeah i mean don't get wrong i like driving fun and shit i mean surfing i like to have a, a vehicle where i can put a rack on top and have space in the back for stuff. That's more like up my alley. It's not as cool as sexy as peeling up in a fucking drop-top Beamer coupe. Yeah, I get, get it. You. I get it, but well, I ain't tripping, man. Talking to a guy that drives a pickup truck. That's what I was going to say, and that's why I like <laughs> you, dude. I'm more into like pickup trucks and SUVs for shit like that nowadays. Yeah. And my, like, I want to move to Mexico and just drive a pickup and surf and shit. I don't need none of this shit. I know, man. And I'm a big dude, too. I don't want to be driving around a two-door coupe. Fuck that yeah, shit, yeah, bro. Yeah. I'm straight. I it's funny, dude. I had two ex girlfriends in a row, back to back, who both drove Mini Coopers, uh, the the, the two door ones. Yeah. I'm a big dude, man. Like six two, two hundred pounds. Like <clears throat> the passenger seat was brutal. Yeah. Like yeah. my knees are. It's like flying American Airlines. My knees are fucking <laughs> smashing. And then God forbid I have to drive her car because whatever she's tired, drunk, whatever. Yeah. Dude, that was near impossible. Dude, I can't even fucking drive. I and I, it's so small, dude. Yeah. yeah. I don't like that feeling, man. Ugh. No, Yo, they not. both 
drove Mini Coopers, and they both had vanity license plates. How hilarious is that? Hmm. Isn't that weird? Yeah, there's some connection. Yeah, there, it's know? fucking. That's a weird one. Mini Coopers are fun to drive. I mean, if I was if you could fit, if, yeah, if I was small, it wasn't <laughs> a bad car. They handled cool uh, and shit, but uh, yeah. uh, too small for me. Yeah, they're small. They're small. Too small for me. I'm a big dude. Funny girlfriend styles, man. You know, the breakups um, always fuel for me. Always fuel like artistic drive and 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 kind of always teach me new ways to f- create or find outlets to to take the emotions I've got and get them out of me in the more healthy way. Definitely. And, uh, you know, especially when I was doing music, like I was saying earlier, that was easy. That was the easy one. Just pouring it right into the music. So many, like my last project was all pretty much like breakup heartfelt music. And then I transitioned out of doing music or like performing. I still write. I'd write that kind of shit for other people. And then, you know, podcasting and, and writing like this book and stuff is like putting all that into it too and just getting to get it out of you. But you gotta, you gotta get it out of you to to get over it, to heal, and it's like funny, and like so some some of my ways is like cracking jokes and just talking about it, not yeah, no shame, sure. and then writing it out, and writing the painful, like embarrassing, hurtful stories about the heartache, and as I write it down, I look at it, and it, and it feels good just coming out. It's cathartic, you know? yeah. And then absolutely. when people read it too, uh, it feels good, and there's like a, there's like a comfortability in my vulnerability, so some people read it, and they're like, oh wow, it like makes them think of their own one, and Jesus. Yeah. But you know, I mean, how, how, uh, How's it been affecting your work lately? If you don't mind me getting into personal. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, you went through a little split a little bit back, right? Yeah, yeah. It's coming up on like a year ago. Um, Which is still not always long enough sometimes. That's true. It's definitely true. I mean, I, you know, that depends on the relationship. That depends on the person. That You know, there's a lot of variables involved. Um, yeah, and it, you know, it affects your work. It affects, you know, like sort of all aspects of life. I think... Oh, yeah, everything suffers. I think the first, you know, like, I mean, the first thing that I think, you know, uh, in in the past with me, at least, has hit me is like, holy shit, I have so much, like, time, like, on my hands just to, like, think about shit. (laughs) And you're just sort of time, like, alone, like, just to sort of, like, where you'd normally be spending this time with the girlfriend, whatever routine you guys had before. And uh, then you sort of have like a lot of time on your hands, which yeah, which can be which can be a bad thing for sure. Um, Idle time goes straight to the genitals. Yeah. Or, you know, like I think like in most people when they sort of, you know, get over like the 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 hurt or the, Mm. the sadness from it, they, you know, they find a hopefully a positive way to channel that time into something productive and not just spiral out, not just go out of control and, you know, delve into whatever, yeah. you know, problems you may yeah. present for yourself. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it gives you, I don't know, it, it, I think in a way it kind of frees you up from, you know, whatever sort of routine or lifestyle you had and allows you to sort of reinvent yourself a little bit. Definitely, definitely. And, um, you know, focus in on some things that are you know hopefully like i'm saying more beneficial like maybe it's a new hobby maybe it's like really concentrating on work maybe it's some kind of self-improvement working out surfing um you know exercising Mm. you know go on a hike go do some fucking yoga pilates or whatever it is you know like i think it'll push yourself out yeah exactly and i think you you know any like all that stuff will take your mind off of the past off of you know what was or what could have been and all of that stuff and it allows you just to um you know sort of become a better you yeah definitely i uh 
did you find yourself like did you find yourself getting a little more creative in your work or were you limited to just being able to only do the corporate gigs at this time did you get to channel any of that through the videography stuff at all i you know like i i think i um i did like get to channel some of that through my work for sure and uh it's you know it's stuff where it's like hey i had the time to sort of um to go in like kind of um i don't know review like look at other people's work see how i could apply these sort of things to my work see mm -hmm. what you know what i've been doing and what i could maybe be doing better and like how you know different sort of you know um like a different approach to like how to set up a scene how to light a scene like camera angles and all of that kind of stuff and um so yeah that was like that was a way that it definitely positively sort of affected and improved my, your craft improved my craft for do you sure. think that if you hadn't maybe gone through that breakup and been in that state of mind would you have been able to step back and self-analyze your own craft and, and notice room for improvement were you too content do you think you maybe had to drop down a little to really look at yourself and be like, what can I make better? How can I improve yeah, as an I artist? Mean, I, think, I think that stuff always helps an artist. I think that sort of, um, you know, ability to step back from, from, you know, who you've sort of become or what's been comfortable mm. and to sort of, you know, approach it in that way. Um, I, I think that's helpful. I think that's helpful for all mediums of art. Yeah. Um, so could I have done that without, uh, you know, going through some kind of breakup? Uh, probably. Would it turn out the same? Probably not. Would it, you know, like it's harder to initiate that stuff on your terms sort of when, yeah. you know, when like there isn't sort of some catalyst to kind of set you Push down you that road. Um, doesn't mean it's impossible, but it, I feel like it's, it's more rare. You yeah, know, it doesn't happen. Quite yeah, so often. I mean, when when we're comfortable, man, when we're in a groove, everything feels like it's working, right? So, you don't always stop and 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 question. Oh shit, what can I do to improve it? No, this is working. It's been working. It's not stressful. I don't got to think about it. I don't got to challenge myself. I don't got to challenge my own ego. I don't got to ask, am I good enough? Or am I still good? For sure. I'm cooling. And then when we hit these these speed bumps, these roadblocks, or these real tragic things that make us look at ourselves and look at what we're doing. Um, I mean, I don't know. I find it a great way to, to just, uh, it's like, it's not, you always give yourself credit, but if what you're doing is good, but you always got to look at it and like, how can I improve? Like the true artist is, is, is striving for a perfection he'll never reach. Yeah, you know, for sure. You're always trying to be better. And, and most people I know who are real artists are real hard on themselves. I mean, I'm so hard on myself. And, yeah. and sometimes it sucks because you're never enjoying the fruits of your labor. You taste it like, oh, that's, that's a sweet fruit, but you know what? I'm going to make it sweeter next time. Yeah. And, and yeah. it's really the people who, who, watch your videos or listen to someone's music or whatever they're gonna enjoy it they're gonna get the most out of it they're gonna be like wow he did this is so much better than his last thing but you're still trying to work on it but it is and, it, and also you're looking at yourself like how can i make myself uh charlie the individual better not just my art and and i think it makes us grow and sometimes like yeah when we're in that groove everything's fine we're not analyzing ourselves and be like am i a good person was that a good thing to say could i do things differently towards these people or this situation you know we don't really analyze ourselves when we're feeling all good it's when we get hurt and bad we start looking around and and really checking everything and being like yo is this all correct right here what can we do absolutely yeah i mean that's definitely that's that's definitely it you know and uh 
you know, yeah, it's it's tough, but it's a it's a it's a good hurt in a way where <clears throat> you know you just it makes you grow. Like yeah, you're saying. for sure. I know, like for myself, like you know, sometimes like the first couple weeks or months, maybe right afterwards, you're doing all the art shit, you're doing all your work shit, but then some of your free time, you don't. I don't want that idle time. I go hang with my friends. You go on like little benders and shit. You're partying, trying to for bury sure. the hurt in the in some other pussy or some drugs or some booze or just good times with your friends. Distractions. Exactly. You, yeah. you go a little rock and roll for a little while. You gotta, you gotta, you, distractions are good. Distractions are definitely helpful. At least in that initial part. And it, you know, it sort of helps time fly by a little bit. Yes. And, um, yeah, I mean, and, you know, I'm lucky to have, you know, bunch of good friends around town here that yeah. are supportive and um you know for any anything that's sort of come up with me they've you know understood and had my back and good you know good friends go a long way in that Hell stuff, yeah, dude. You know? partying going out and partying yeah you gotta you gotta have that i think i mean you know it, yeah. it, it really counts yeah i mean my um my grandmother always used to tell me it was like two when it came to the issue of drinking, she's like, you know, there's two reasons why you would drink. And one's a good one, one's not a good one. You want to drink to celebrate with the family, your friends, something good's happening. Or you're just in a good mood, it's festive, that's all right. But, then, you know, when you drink to hide pain or to get the stress and the pain out of your face, it's not good because once that wears off, it's going to come back and it's going to come back harder. And you're going to develop this, like, thing, this kind of, like, systematic reaction in your brain. Like, oh, I'm feeling pain. I go grab the drink or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that always stuck with me because I I would do both, you know, and like I have alcoholism and and drug addiction in my family. It's in most of the people in my family with those issues. Um, you know, it's, it was the crutch for pain or whatever, you know? And then I got other family members who fucking can party, but just when they want and have a blast. And I think it really, it really makes a difference. And like, I notice it when I party in a celebratory manner, me and the homies are, Homegirls are chilling, we're having some drinks, we're doing this, we're doing that. It's fun, it's awesome. And then I know exactly what it's like to be drinking alone on a Tuesday at noontime, yeah. pounding booze, or doing drugs alone in another city, just to like keep the thoughts out of my head. I don't yeah. want to think. Keep the voices quiet. And that's a tough one. That's when you know it's not the healthy celebration. But like I've been in those places where that's all I could do. I didn't know what else to do. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that happens, man. It definitely happens. We're not judging you if that's what you do. Totally we're, not. We're judging. talking with you. We're sympathizing with you. Yeah. We understand you. Yeah, it happens to the best of us. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's not ideal if you're sort of using it to sort of put blinders on the world. Yeah. You know, like if you're trying to just sort of disappear and hide from stuff. That's not. And not I, the best move. I think I'd say that, at least in American society, I think that's actually encouraged. Like, not in the form of using illegal drugs and alcohol, but look what they sell us on TV all these other medications, prescription drugs. For sure. What are those for? To mask the depression and anxiety and stress, right? Yeah, you know? for Same sure. way that you use alcohol, cocaine, marijuana, fucking heroin, whatever. Exactly. And exactly. I mean, I was a kid who was on prescription drugs, antidepressants, SSRIs, anxiety meds for years. Not anymore, thank God. But that's those. I was trying to deal with these problems I was having. And the psychiatrist is giving me these different pills. And, oh, try this one now and do this. And that's what that was for. Yeah. I was, and then and you know what, dude? The problems would come back here and there. So that's all that was doing. Yeah. Not much different than me fucking, you know, pounding a bunch of vodka or something. You know. They're always gonna come back if you're just using drugs or booze Anytime, or whatever, yeah. like all of that stuff. It's definitely gonna come back when you sober up, and yep. it's probably gonna feel worse because you're gonna have a little bit of a fucking hangover from whatever you've been doing. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it just makes it all the, I don't know. It it, it seems to make it 
like dealing with those issues all the more lofty because yeah. you have this escape, you have this <clears throat> thing that becomes routine, yeah, can routine, become routine. Good word, dude. And it's just you know the and routine you, you of can it. Lose yourself in there, you know, and you can just kind Ugh. of make it go away for a while. And so, it's it's I would recommend everybody try to uh, just face the bullshit yeah, head face on it up. go to some psychoanalysis confront your fears do it yeah do whatever it takes you gotta meditate cry you gotta out, go dude, cry, cry it out, out go see somebody go, go talk to, to a shrink yeah, or whatever like everybody yeah. fucking does that here it's not like taboo dude i was almost you know i was a one semester away from a master's degree in psychoanalysis no shit so I, I used to have patients i used to go to school for that and that's yeah. that i and i got into that from being in psychoanalysis yeah totally and uh dude if you, i feel like legally everyone should have to I think you'd be a better. Everyone's a better person. You Definitely. Feel fucking. Oh, I've been trying to get my mother to go to therapy for years. She totally, is a totally. stubborn old Irish woman. Won't go. Won't yeah. talk to nobody. Won't talk to the cops. Won't talk to her own son. Won't talk to nobody. Um, but I think when you open up like that, yeah. like, God, you don't know how liberating that feels. Just dangle the carrot of this booze or drugs or whatever yeah. you want to do right now. Do that after you do yeah, all of this shit. Yeah. You're going to enjoy it all the more, and it's gonna be you're going to be that much more like satisfied as oh, a person. God, yeah, dude. You know, I mean, one of the things. I I did for dealing with a lot of the pain. I was in it was was um, I, I did some ayahuasca ceremonies. I mean I've done a bunch. Yeah. Of them. I, did, I just did my nineteenth last Saturday, it's but uh, that was one of the I would say almost the most significant thing I did to help heal things. I get More, it. You know, not alcohol, not drugs, not. I mean, therapy is awesome. I, I recommend that. But this was even <clears throat> better than that. I mean. I've had friends who've used it to kick substances. If that was there, that wasn't my thing. But whatever you want to go in there for, different. But even, even though that wasn't why I was there, not using substances has been a byproduct of ceremonies. Like I think I've said this before. The first time I did a ceremony, we did two days back to back. I didn't go. I went in for you know post traumatic stress and depression and all this shit. I didn't drink or smoke weed for two months afterwards. Right. Not because I didn't want to. I didn't even ask for that. It was just. Gone. Yeah. I, did, I was like, this is weird. Even the last one I did, dude, yeah. I, I didn't drink for 10 days. Not even like, you know, that it was, I probably could have not. Anyway, but I just didn't even have any inclination. It was yeah. weird. It was just gone. And it, it's like a reset button. And it's a, it also resets a lot of my emotions. It allows you to, to feel the pain, yeah. process it, it and, and then get it out of there, you know? I agree. I agree 100%. I think, you know, I mean, a lot, of, I hear those stories a lot from hallucinogens and stuff, mm. for sure. I mean, I, uh, I mean, I think they're, you know, if you let them be, they're very impactful mm, and yeah. um, and oftentimes for the better, you know, they can make you realize some amazing things. Yeah. I mean, I can remember, you know, tripping out on mushrooms like crazy ages ago and uh, just I remember like being in some like field out in like the woods or whatever and just staring oh, at awesome. some crazy little like, you know, flower or whatever and just realizing like this thing's existence is every bit as important as mine mm, humbles this, you man yeah and you just sort of stop and think about that like wow like okay like you know the world does not revolve around me yeah. here like yeah. we're just like part of nature you know we're and that, just and that relaxes you yeah it definitely relaxes you it's nice it's like it's a nice you know realization it's sort of it makes you feel kind of more in tune with stuff and mm. you're just more a part of something Rather yeah. than just like you're not the focal point, isolated, you know, individual. Dude, you know? I agree with you um, wholeheartedly. I think, especially in uh, Western society, 
I mean, it's a, it's a doggy dog thing out here. It's real stressful, especially if you live in a big city, especially if you work in certain realms like entertainment or finance or some shit. You know, it's all about me. It's all about me getting to work on time. Get the fuck out of my way. Honk, honk. Let me get this order of food in first. Let me get this job before this guy. It's, it's a yeah. real intense thing where you're almost forced to become self-centered and, and, and focusing on me and be very cutthroat and dog eat dog. And it just, that is, just disconnects you from the rest of the universe, from the rest of the yeah. people, the rest of the elements, the animals, all that, right? Yeah, for I, sure. I was saying this to somebody the other night, right? It's holiday season. Happy fucking holidays from Damaged Goods. Holiday season, right? It's supposed to be in holiday cheer. Now, maybe if Charlie's going to go grocery shopping to make a great holiday meal for his family, yeah, you're going to be spreading that cheer to them, but you're in the grocery store fucking trying to get in the goddamn line first and cut this person and get the last turkey and, and people are cutting people off and gas. So... That holiday cheer maybe is only isolated to that person's family or friends, but to, to the stranger on the street, the road, the, the person working behind the counter, people are assholes around this time because yeah. everyone's so tense trying to get for it. And, and like you said, going back to your trip and experience in the woods with the, fl the flower, when you, when you have these self-realization you know, situations, when, you, when you're analyzing yourself, you're realizing that, yeah, you, know, you and me are no different. Like, it doesn't matter, you know, maybe one person's more successful, one person's bigger, stronger, sexier, handsome, ugly, or whatever. But we are all connected. We're all even out here. For sure. And to humble yourself and step back and realize that it takes you out of that self-centered fucking dog-eat-dog -dog world that we're just entrenched in. And it's really hard for people to pull out of that. And I really think one of the few ways is like psychedelics and hallucinogens. And most people are scared because they don't want to analyze themselves. They're going to have a bad trip. Well, yeah. bad trip might be not really... It's you realizing some things you don't like. Yeah. Like I always tell people ayahuasca, every ayahuasca ceremony is a bad trip. For sure. And it's great, but you are going to go through some shit and you're going to be looking at yourself the whole time and not happy with everything. It's where you're going to learn. It's where you're going to, yeah. it's the trenches of life, right? Where yeah. you go through and you sort of analyze yourself a little bit and you're, you know, you're in this condition where you're maybe able to analyze mm. in a, from a different perspective than you normally would. And I, you know, perspective is everything. Man. Dude. That's like, that's you know it's a it's a gift that we have is to be able to sort of change our perspective for those that can and to sort of see things from somebody else's shoes or just from kind of up above and just sort of have a general understanding of the situation mm. and um you know and take things as they are you know i mean you can always i can always tell somebody that doesn't really have a fair perspective on the situation uh you know it comes out in a million ways you know yeah. and it's just like you know, you, you gotta like you gotta really take their bullshit with a grain of salt because they're not really <laughs> seeing things clearly necessarily. Nah. You know, yeah, you gotta look. There's, back there's a lot of there's a lot of tells for that. You know, yeah. and it's just the so, more you tune into it, I think the better off you're gonna be. True, dude. Let's go. Let's go get some shrooms. Let's go eat some mushrooms and analyze. Right? right. You know what? I'm <laughs> <laughs>